Hello, my name is Craig and I've been attending the team weekend for CHD Teams in Pitlochry. As a one-off, Stuart has asked me to introduce this week's guest. This week, Stuart speaks to Bob. They chat about his condition and his passion for travelling and rock climbing. I hope you all enjoy. Hi Bob, how are you doing? Great, how are you? Yeah, yeah, fine. Thank you for joining me today. As you know, as you've listened to other episodes, you kind of get the gist of what we do here. And I've been excited to speak to you. We've been kind of been speaking on and off for quite some time. Right. Um, because of what you will talk about, what you got up to and reasoning why we're only taking now to chat. But basically, could you give us a little introduction? Yeah. So my name is Bob. And I, when I was born, I, it was discovered pretty early that I had an aortic, uh, an issue with my aorta. They didn't quite know yet. They heard a murmur, went in and realized that I had aortic stenosis with a bicuspid aortic valve. So basically I lived a pretty normal life and then recently got, or not recently, but in 2016, had to get a heart surgery to do a final repair. So basically, yeah. Everything we've been talking about, I guess, up to now has just been circled around that that whole process, I guess. But yeah, to go in a little bit more in depth, when I was about two weeks old, they realized that like my circulation was really bad. Um, they knew about the murmur. They knew about aortic stenosis. And then we had to have a balloon angioplasty or a valvuloplasty done, um, which is basically taking a balloon up through an artery in my leg, or maybe it's a vein, a vein or an artery in my leg up into my aorta and then they use that balloon to kind of inflate and, and open up the aorta a little bit. Um, and that seemed to keep me good to go until 2016. So I was really lucky. We were kind of waiting my entire life to like see when the regurgitation in my aorta was too bad or when my left ventricle, where it was regurgitating into, when that would get too, um, basically too closed in to, to deal with it. So we were basically monitoring my whole life with some restriction. And then, yeah, 2016, got the surgery. So when you were after that two weeks old and carrying on with life, you were saying you just kind of left, went along normally and uh, had no real issues until 2016. Were you on medication right. or anything like that? You know, I, when I was, so I had the same doctor, the same cardiologist, his name is Dr. Chin at the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. I had him as a cardiologist until I was 18 years old. And basically I was on no medicine. I had some um, restriction on anaerobic exercise. He didn't want me like pushing really hard. So activities like wrestling and weightlifting and other exercises where you really have to push anaerobically. I was not allowed to do that. Um, at the age of 18, I did switch cardiologists a couple of times. I, I moved from the Philadelphia area to like the center of Pennsylvania and then back. So I was basically all over the place. And during that time, I had a couple cardiologists that put me on a few medicines. I was on like 
digoxin for a little while and some other medicines um, that basically some cardiologists would be like, you don't need these. And then the other one would say, oh yeah, you should probably take a low dose of this. So I was kind of on and off meds a little bit, but basically lived a pretty normal life just with kind of the impending heart surgery, you know, other than that, it was so were you saying like you weren't allowed to do like the play like the weightlifting and stuff? So were you at, like at school? Were you still allowed to take part in like football and baseball and all that kind of things? Yeah, I actually played baseball for like ten or twelve years, something like that. So baseball was never a big deal because it's more aerobic. It's more running and um, yeah, mostly running. I would say, um, but as I got older, I kind of strayed away from football. Um, I couldn't play hockey, those type of like contact sports where you're really lifting weights a lot. Um, so yeah. And then other, like in school, the only activity I, I um, was restricted from in school is they told me um, that I should not be rock climbing at all, but we have <laughs> like this rock climbing wall at the high school. So I was like, really interested in it so i i did i did a little bit of that but i tried as much as possible i, I listened to the the doctor's restrictions yeah because well from what i learned from watching play re- following you on instagram that um i've got your instagram page here and there's quite a lot of rock climbing <laughs> i know yeah, yeah now, for someone that's not allowed to rock climb <laughs> it was interesting because that was a restriction early on and then um as i as I changed cardiologists and when I moved to Colorado, even um, it, that was in 2013, my cardiologist was like, yeah, you're fine. Rock climbing. I think they had a better understanding of what rock climbing is. And they're, they're like, Oh yeah, of course you can. Is that because in Philadelphia it's in the city and they're like, we don't have any rocks here. If you can't climb, you know, <laughs> we don't know what to do. Exactly. So again, it was kind of like changing cardiologists, changed my medicine also sometimes changed my restrictions. And I had, a cardiologist maybe in my like early 20s that was like hey you can you can rock climb there's no issue with that so um that was a big change and I kind of got into it more at that point and so like you said you were quite you were well all the way up and so when you were getting your well when you're still when you got the operation in 2016 were you feeling unwell was there a big change that um encouraged that to happen quicker than they were planning or was this always kind of the stage that we're thinking it was an interesting so we wanted to wait until i was 18 years old um i think that the belief behind that was just that at that point my heart would be about the size it was going to be for the rest of my life um so we wanted to make sure that we didn't do surgery too early on and then have the heart grow more and whatever so in 2000 i i basically from the age of 18 on i was told like you could get surgery or you couldn't, or we could wait off. So I kept holding off and holding off and just hoping for like better technology, better valves, you know, a better way to do the surgery, whatever it is. And um, in 2016, kind of like everything was pretty darn normal. Like I, I was doing the same amount of cardio that I usually do. But one day I was just out. Um, I, I put a backpack on. And I left this trailhead. I was by myself. I was going to go um, climb this thing that's like a, it, on the climbing scale, it's pretty easy. And I had a little bit of spare time. So I just went to go do it um, without a rope. I was just going to like, you know, climb up the, the flat irons outside of Boulder. Um, and I kind of was like going up the trail. And all I had in my backpack was like 
a water bottle and a sandwich and my climbing shoes. But um, after maybe like 10 minutes, I couldn't catch my breath. And I was like, like standing there, I'm like, well, this is kind of weird that I, you know, I, I'm having trouble breathing right now because usually um, I have no issues. And I was just like kind of catching my breath and I like sat down on the trail for a minute. I was like, wow, this is really strange. Um, and then it kind of like started to fade. And I was like, well, I'm not going to like not go rock climbing today. I'm just still going to go. I'm just going to like keep an eye on it. And everything felt fine after that. I just kind of like, I, I slipped the climb. I came back to the car. But when I came back, I called what ended up being like a cardiac nurse. Um, and that's always been a big thing in my life. It's like, I, I, I checked in every once in a while. I'd be like, hey, I had this weird symptom today. And I would, you know, car, call my doctor, call a nurse and, and have them like, talk to me about it but um this time I called in I said hey I was short of breath I couldn't recatch my breath I didn't have a big pack I wasn't doing anything crazy um and she said oh you should probably come in for an appointment and then that's when they they looked at my valve again and the regurgitation in the valve had pretty much doubled from my last I got a, another uh, echocardiogram and they realized that my pressure had pretty much doubled in a year oh, wow. within my heart. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky that I had that one incident where nothing came of it. You're saying that you were on the the easy walk, like you called an easy like trail. So do you think if you were on a harder trail, something more serious would have happened, or was that more like was it kind of like a warning sign rather than anything yeah, it's kind of a warning. I don't know if anything because I didn't well. I ended up having an, an, an aortic aneurysm, but we didn't know that. And I, it didn't really cause my symptoms. It wasn't anything like that where um, something could blow out. It's, right. Okay. Instead, it was just like, I'm, I'm working really hard and my heart is getting tired from all of the work it's doing right now to pump all the blood out and it's not pumping all the blood out. So I'm like, you know, so it wasn't an issue where I would necessarily like, you know, have a heart attack like episode. Instead, it was just, I was so fatigued and yeah. So I, I was lucky that, that, that that's how it came on and I don't have another condition that like, you know, would have been more yeah. severe. So did you have, like when you phoned, did you get to go straight in then? Right, was that day or did, was it? I talked to them and I said that it kind of, the episode had ended and I told them I went climbing still. And they said, you know, like we should probably get an appointment soon. So I think that it was probably within a month it wasn't, it wasn't an emergency at all. We just knew that it had to be kind of in the works. So we had an appointment and, and that's where we, we got that information. And it was, it never happened again in that month then when you were not really, it's kind of a weird thing when you know, you have a heart problem and you know that you're now having symptoms. I think there were a couple of times where I was like, Oh no, I'm out of breath. And I'm like, well, it's because I've been running. I probably <laughs> should be out of breath. So it's a lot of like you, attribute a lot of other things to like oh no this is definitely my heart now but it, you know it's just hard to say if i was really having issues or not from then on but nothing outrageous that's good so you know that's still a worry if it was to be constant or get worse as well and after you got that appointment and they saw that it doubled hey how long were they wanting you in for surgery from that or was it still a monitoring kind of period I don't remember exactly how much I, I know it was within a few months, 
because again, they looked at it and they're like, you're fine right now, but you need to get surgery now, which was a huge change from all of my past cardiologist appointments. They would always say, oh yeah, you could get surgery or like, it doesn't really, it doesn't need to happen now. So at that point, I think it was about six months. They looked at the echocardiogram until I was like ready for surgery. Okay. How did you feel about getting surgery? Were you, were you always prepared to get like, oh, you were always prepared to get it. But when I know myself, when you're younger, you don't really think about it much. And then the moment comes and you're like, oh no, like, or you're like, yes, you know, what was your kind of thinking behind it all? Right. Yeah, I, I was, it, yeah, it did not seem real. I knew about it from the day I was born um, that at every year or every sometimes six months, a doctor would tell me you will need heart surgery in the future. And they keep telling me that. And then, yeah, the time when the cardiologist came in and said, I was not expecting it. I was expecting him to be like, oh, yeah, you must have had like an episode and, and everything's fine. But he came in and he said, it's time for heart surgery. You need to have it now. And I, that changed everything. Because I thought, yeah, you, your life kind of changes very quickly when you realize you need to actually go in and have the operation done. So I know... I was like so upset. I've talked about this a couple of times. I was like so upset. I was like crying in the doctor's office and just like, I like, what does this mean? I don't know anybody that's ever had a heart surgery. I don't even know at that point, I didn't know what my like survival rate of a heart surgery was or what my life expectancy was after heart surgery. I had no idea of, and I, none of those questions popped into my mind. until I said like, you need to have this. So I, then I was like, oh no, I should have, I should have taken this seriously before right now, but, but I also need to start answering, like having answers to these questions kind of. So it was like really scary. I was really like sad and, and afraid. And then um, I think talking to my cardiac surgeon made a huge difference that changed everything. I got all of the questions answered I needed. Um, And like, you know, that was great, but it wasn't for a few months until I met my cardiologist, my cardiac surgeon. Right. And so like you were saying there, like you didn't know anyone that's had like heart surgery or anyone with a heart problem. So like, how? because that's kind of, I didn't really know many people until I was a bit, I was in my teens. So mm-hmm. how, is it only like since surgery, do you start knowing more about heart patients and learning all the more details of what everyone's going through? And do you help, do you think that helps? support in a way you know what I mean do you wish that you had that going into your surgery you were mentioning before um like my Instagram account and I don't love Instagram and I don't I I, I just have like a weird I don't like you know broadcasting a lot of stuff and whatever but I also know how I'm like what I hope to do through there is what you're talking about is like, I I'm in there like through my inbox and whatever. I'm just talking to people. Like I could, if I wanted to like talk to people all day long about like surgery or like what my experience was, I never, ever, mostly every experience or every conversation is like, this was my experience. I'm different than you. You have to talk to your cardiologist yeah. um, because I never, like, I, I never really like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been nice to talk with people. I see a lot of other people, like sometimes I'll be like, if I'm ever like swimming or whatever, like a reason I have my shirt off, I, um, 
we'll see other people with the heart scar and like they'll they'll you know want to talk about it, which is really cool i love talking about heart surgery um now that i've been through it and yeah i love reaching out i'm actually this summer starting now to budget to fly to a um a camp basically for kids who have had heart surgery or who are like in the process of some type of um cardiac oh wow okay yeah is that in the states it is yeah it's actually at a camp i used to work for um in like 2008 through 2010 i worked there as a rock the rock wall like manager you know and instructor i'm not sure what my title was but um i would always work with this camp um well one of the camps that came in was a camp for kids with heart conditions and i was like oh i kind of have a heart condition but right now it's like invisible and i really have no symptoms i don't really like fit in here but now i've got like this sweet scar and a little bit of more of a your own um, story <laughs> you know yeah like a story to go with it so I feel like now I'm kind of like, like I'm, I'd be excited to go share that experience. Excellent. That's really cool. And I get like, like obviously you had your sur- surgery and it all went well because we're speaking <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know, it's, it went and I think it did go well though. I know you can have like some people have surgery and it goes well, but then maybe a couple of weeks you have a bit of a fallback and there's a bit of a longer road to recovery than, some people are, how was your whole process after that surgery? Yeah, so it is, it's so scary because when, usually when scary things happen, I like to be in charge. Like if there's, you know, like, you know, whether it's climbing or driving or whatever, I like to be in charge. So during heart surgery, it's like, you just kind of, I think it was one of the scariest days of my life. I, definitely. It was, it was the scariest day of my life because I'm going into this really scary thing. And my job is to just, let my cardiac surgeon do his work so it was really scary but when I woke up from surgery I was I was so excited I was like oh my gosh like I survived heart surgery I I know I had because like at first you wake up sometimes you're like did I have surgery I don't really know if I did I feel fine normal I'm you know you're on drugs and you don't quite know how you're supposed to feel but I woke up and I had a breathing tube in and I was like oh my gosh I did it like I I've survived heart surgery like that was you know so um the everything after that went really smoothly though I was supposed to be in a hospital for anywhere from five to six days the hospital experience was amazing my nurses in the I was at St. Joseph's Hospital in Denver my nurses were amazing they took amazing care of me and yeah it, so, like after heart surgery things kind of move pretty quickly it seems like you start with like I got the breathing tube out right away. And then you have like tubes that are removed for, I, have you had open heart surgery? I've had twice. Yeah. 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 So, and then you have like those, those got, tubes like, that. They've got the, it looks like bullet holes. That's why I call them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got two, two tubes. And then I also like, I, I don't know if you've woken up with a, I don't know what it's called, a wire basically to your heart that they take off. All right. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. I, so it's basically like so if you ever did go AFib or some type of thing where they need to shock you a shockable rhythm they basically like instead of having to shock you there's this wire that like goes to your heart muscle and they basically could send the shock through that wire wow. instead of yeah right okay. so like after surgery is strange you get those tubes removed I like 
felt them pull this wire off of my heart. That was a very strange, like, experience. It, it doesn't, I don't know if it's necessarily pain, but you can feel something move in your chest cavity. You're like, what? Like, I've never felt That's like right, that. That's right. I don't remember that. I remember the, the tubes and because my first surgery was when I was four. So I don't really remember, I don't, I don't remember that at all. But my other one was 12 years ago. And so I was very much aware of everything that was happening there. And um, I had to go back in up for complications. And so I was more out of the drugs, that, like out of the drugs had worn off when they went to say to remove the tubes and like not to scare anyone or anything like that. But those tubes getting removed was very painful for me. Like that was, like, I've, I was quite shocked because they just went yank. It was like, they didn't stop. <laughs> and right, it was, it was quite sore. Yeah. I was, I was quite a sore experience. Yeah. And I think that's one question I get from a lot of people that are about to get heart surgery. Like, what was it like to get your tubes removed? Because it's such a strange thing to wake up with, with tubes hanging out of your like chest cavity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, I thought it was a little bit painful for me as well. Um, but my, I had one bad experience with the nurse in the hospital. Um, and basically it was just that like the person, um, this guy came in, he was the nurse for my, I guess he just removes the tubes. I don't know what else. I didn't see him. Any <laughs> he's, other he's the tube guy. <laughs> yeah, that's all he does. But he just came in and like, he barely talked to me. And I guess it's a bed, bedside manner. So I was like, who is this guy? I don't even know what he's here for. And he's like, oh, can I see your tubes? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I like lifted it up and he's like, look at them. And he just pulls them out. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know you were, I didn't know you were the tube removing guy. I thought you were, I didn't know who. Um, and then they were just out and I was like, well, but I don't know if it hurt or if I'm just upset with this, this nurse who like didn't tell me what he was doing. He didn't say anything. Like he just kind of pulled them out. See, that's maybe um, better getting the surprise pool. Because right? I, I, my one was quite like a prep one. It was like, right, we're ready to do this now. Okay. So I was like sitting ready to get these tubes pulled out rather than some dude just walking in and yanking them out for you. <laughs> I'd, right. probably, I'd probably prefer that situation. And right. And maybe that's why he does it. Maybe, he, yeah, he just knows what he's doing. He's he walks in. They ring a bell. He walks in. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and he probably doesn't want you to tense up too. I right. remove. It was so strange. I don't know if the, they did like. I thought that when the tubes came out, they would need to stitch it. But for me, they just put like a just like a dressing. A yeah, yeah, dress. That's right. I, from what I remember, I think that was the same. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure there was quite a lot of blood coming out here before, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's yeah, in, it's insane what they can do, like, and all like for all different types of surgery. But like, I got I had a drip in my neck. I think it was. I got a scar. Yeah, I got a scar in my neck. I think that's where the morphine was going. Yeah, and that I didn't enjoy that one getting pulled out either. Actually, that was a bit. That was kept on going. That was like nonstop. <laughs> well, the thing I I was that a way they were giving you an IV. Yeah, that was through. I think that was throughout the surgery. I the thing I disliked about getting that one out was that I knew when the drugs got put into that one, the reaction was just immediate, and you could just like relax. Um, and I was just worried because I, I had, of course, one an IV in my arm too. And then I was like, well, I don't think it's gonna get into my system as quickly as when they're injecting it right into my jugular. But yeah. I, you know, it was still yeah so. It was kind of like that whole process was just you learn so much and you're it's just so impressive. I know. 
it's it's incredible and then like you can't like you were saying you were in Moscow for what five days um right it's like to think of what you've just gone through and then to be able to walk out like that short time after is yeah. insane and and I guess like after you obviously you can't like because you've had being stitched up and stuff you can you have to be careful when you're coughing and sneezing but were you told to take it how long were you told to take it easy for the whole time after surgery i well so the i didn't have my my plan was five or six days on the fifth day they said you know what pack up your stuff you're ready to go we're gonna do like one more ekg and then you're out of here and they did that EKG and it was, it was sloppy. Like, I don't know a lot about EKGs, but basically I had a little electrical issue in my heart where I had a bundle branch, a left bundle branch block. Um, so the electricity like was not shooting from one node to the other in a crisp line. Instead, it was kind of like going around my heart muscle and around this blockage, uh, which was a really cool thing I learned about your heart is that like your heart muscle can conduct electricity to go around a blockage if it needs to which is really uh-huh. cool but so then they looked at that and they're like we should probably keep you here for a little while and the doctors just like offhand it was like and maybe we have to put in a pacemaker we'll see and then i was like oh no i came here for like one problem and now i have another problem um, but luckily after like um a day of watching it they're like yeah we think it's fine you're going to be fine you might have symptoms but just keep an eye on it and then nothing ever happened so that was 2016 and you've not had anything else since and and you're on medication since from then yeah you're on your is it warfarin right right yeah i've um yeah after basically like the after the recovery process and you know it was a few months i have had really no issues at all and have been on warfarin now for just a about six years june 1st will be six years since surgery that's amazing and you feel great and all that you know there's never been any blips or anything no i um i've had like so since then i've had like a knee surgery and i've had like other little stuff that have set me back but the um actual like cardiac stuff everything's been been great since then that's amazing and one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you as well, when we talked about it ever so slightly before we started uh, recording, was it was on in September last year. You posting on Instagram how about being after heart surgery and depending on your warfarin, and you decided to buy a one way ticket to Colombia. Oh yeah, <laughs> like so. With that, did you? like just decide to pack up and do a bit of traveling and just see how you get on idea or was this something you've always wanted to do or like that was because obviously having a heart condition like a lot of people think myself included think having a heart condition you're really quite restricted on things because of doctors they're quite important when you have a heart uh, problem but to do what you did and just went off to Columbia and from what I've seen from the photos of your trip, you went other places, obviously, and did yeah. some crazy things. Um, so I would love it if you could talk about your whole, like, idea of thinking around that and why you wanted to do it and what you did, even, like, everything. So I um I think since I, one of the 
great parts about having heart a heart problem and a heart surgery and all this stuff is that you've already kind of been through the scariest thing that you can imagine. So this kind of stuff seems a lot like traveling to Columbia. It sounds a lot less scary when you're like, oh, I've actually been through heart surgery. Like, I think I'm going to, you know, get through this. Um, but the, and that led um, kind of, that's, I guess, been my whole like way of thinking from a lot of years now is like, I really dislike the idea of bucket lists where people like make a list of things they'd love to do before they die. And they're like, no, I want to like, you know, travel here and I want to um, get this job or whatever. And my, one of my things that I've kind of wanted to do for a while, or like, I was just thinking about it for like a year and I was like, you know, I would love to just kind of quit my job and travel and, um, you know, see how it works out and whatever, you know, so, and the, like hating the idea of a bucket list. I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I should probably do it right now. So um, in the, at the end of the last school year, I was a teacher for 10 years. And at the end of last school year, I was like, you know, I'm a little bit dissatisfied with my job and I really want to travel. And, but then like, and those are basically two reasons. I was like, you know what? I should quit my job. But then of course you think of like a thousand reasons not to, and you're like, well, what will I do for health insurance? What will I do for like, how will I have enough money and like all this stuff. So, but because I think because of the heart surgery or because of this experience, I was just like, you know, what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to go travel. Um, I've been learning Spanish since I was in like fifth grade and I'm, I was very bad at it. I couldn't hold conversations. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn Spanish and I'm going to travel and I'm going to figure it out and just see what happens. At that time, I was actually planning to just have a Spanish tutor and I was going to just travel for rock climbing um, and just rock climb full time. Um, I built a van. I like bought, a, I bought like a brand new, like beautiful van and like I built, built it out. And I was like, OK, I'm going to go climbing for a year. Just see what happens. And then about um, basically like right around when the van was done and about a month after I quit my job, I tore my ACL and I, I was like, oh, well, now. I called the doctor. I was like, Hey, is it cool if I just go rock climbing for a year and I get the surgery after that? And he said, no, like I, I would not go away from paved roads. I wouldn't go hiking. I wouldn't do anything. I would like basically get surgery as soon as you can uh, because it was my meniscus was so severe that they didn't want it breaking off basically. So, um, but I still had quit my job or you can't unquit your job. So um and I, I still was dissatisfied with with my job so I was like okay well, I spent one day and I was like I'm so upset that I've done this and I set myself up and now I'm you know my leg is messed up so I spent one day just being angry about it and then the next day I like just start making lists I was like well, what can I what can I do now that I have this ACL thing so I like traveling I basically just wanted to travel so made a list of countries that I wanted to go to. I, you know, started tutoring a little bit more in Spanish. I do one-on-one tutoring still. Um, I just had a meeting with my Spanish tutor this morning and I just, I do one-on-one tutoring. I was learning the language and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Colombia for an indefinite amount of time. And I ended up staying in Colombia for a month and then traveling to Costa Rica, Guatemala, and Mexico. And yeah, I think the doctor thing is scary because you're in this country and you, I don't speak the language well. 
I don't know how the medical system works that well. I don't know how all this stuff goes. So I was like, well, I think my heart, I talked to my cardiologist and he said, yeah, your heart's fine. It's strong. We have nothing that we need to do here. So I just basically like booked a one-way ticket to Columbia and just knew I'd figure it out, you know? That's mad. So Because like, you're obviously on the warfarin. So was there a way you were able to keep up? Like, obviously you couldn't have gone to your doctor and be like, hey, I need like five months for, uh, worth of warfarin to take with me on <laughs> while I travel. I guess that had to be um, something you'd organize to get along right. the way. Well, what I actually did, I most of the time I was thinking I'd be gone for anywhere from three to six months. So I actually got about like five months of warfarin. It was about five, yeah. And I kept, I just kept it in different bags too. Because when I travel, I don't want my medicine to all be in one bag. No. Um, if I lose a bag or somebody robs me or something, I want to have other medicine on me. So I got, yeah, about five months worth of warfarin. Um, and the big thing was actually getting my warfarin tested. The issue with that is I don't have a home test kit. I would love, I mean, I would love to have, just be able to, to oh, do right, it yeah, because you've got to do the, uh, the blood test, don't you? Yeah, you have to. So they adjust your levels based on what they're seeing for your anticoagulation. So I, I, I need to go to a hospital to get that done. And I searched the internet and I could not find a great, anyone who had like traveled indefinitely in um, these countries. I didn't, so I didn't know how to do it. Um, but I got my warfarin checked right before I left. And it was great. And then I flew there and I was like, okay, I have about, if I keep my diet consistent, I have about a month or six weeks until I need to get this checked again. So I, after about two or three weeks, I started like Googling, like looking around the laboratories that do the pro time um, test, the blood test you need to get done. And I started like, you know, getting some information and I, I like took some dry runs where I just like learned a bunch of Spanish specific for the situation and I would just show up at the laboratory and be like hey I, I basically in Spanish I would say like I need a test for my blood and they'd be like we don't know what you're saying and I'm like <laughs> okay and I would just leave and then I would like learn more Spanish and then I would come in and say like I need a pro time test done for my warfarin and they'd be like oh okay um so I got, you know, figured out through a process of like, uh, yeah, trial and error. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it worked out really well. I ended up getting a blood draw in, in Colombia, in Bogota. And then I got another blood draw in Mexico, um, in De Efe, in like the, the city basically. And, um, both times I basically just walked in and said, here's I need like my pro time tested they would like have me fill out paperwork pay them twelve dollars and then they would do a, a test that's amazing that's yeah that's incredible and how long how long were you traveling for all together it was just it was three months wow um, that's that's impressive though like you know on like you're saying with like little to no spanish and like the worries of hoping to get your blood tested because those things are kind of important and uh yeah like that's as i said and since coming back 
um, after that, have you? You said you were an English English teacher. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you back teaching English, or have you gone into this because you're obviously into your rock climbing? Is that where you've right. gone now? So actually, tomorrow is exactly nine months since my ACL surgery. So I can return to basic full activity right now. Um, so I've been rock climbing a lot recently. And I was debating. I was like, should I just go back and be a teacher next year? Like, the real adult decision would be, like, go get a job, start paying into my retirement again, and do all these things. But I was like, you know what? It's really hard to quit your job. So I think I'm just going to keep playing for now. So basically, I yeah, I'm getting... I'm almost recovered from my knee surgery. I'm getting back to climbing pretty consistently. I was just at the gym this morning and I've been, you know, I'm there five days a week at this point and trying to get fit again. And then I'm going to go, um, around the first week of June, I'm going to take off on a climbing trip and just do that. Yeah. When that heart camp, when is that? It's in August. And I basically need to figure out the flights are very expensive right now from, from where I'm going to be to, to Pennsylvania. So I'm like figuring out all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, so in, basically I would be going there from like being on the road. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And the hard camp that are you going as a rock climber instructor for the camp then? Is that what that was? No, right? no, no, no. I would just be a counselor. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 I wasn't sure awesome. I, when you mentioned it earlier. I was like, I couldn't. Um, I wasn't sure if I was to do with the rock climbing or um, just purely because you said you went, you used to work there. So I was yeah. wondering if that's why they like invited you type of idea. But you just looked in. Oh, no, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, can, um, "Can I come be a counselor now?" And then because of COVID, they and all of the kids are immunocompromised. So because of COVID, um, it got shut down for the last few years. Right, that'll be exciting though again to go and do that and yeah, share your story and show because what I've seen, like what I've seen on Instagram and from speaking you, to you today, like your positivity is like through the roof. It's amazing. Yeah, and that. I know, I I know we talked about a little bit, but like just spending time around other people that have or need heart surgery is like it's so cool. Um, and I know it's so scary. So I love like having the opportunity. It's really cool. That'll be really good. It's all I love the whole supporting thing. Cause like I mentioned again earlier on, like going through this when you were younger, you didn't really have that. Right. And be able to do this now for like the younger generation is great. And I mean, I think I talk about that every time I speak to someone because I always find yeah. like the support side of it is way more important. Well, obviously again, the surgery and things is important, but support is very crucial and making it easier for people. And I hope that maybe the internet, like when I was young, we didn't have the internet and then like social media didn't come around, you know, for the yeah. last like decades big, but, but like before that, there's no way to connect with people who had. So I think that that's an amazing thing that's come out of all this is that, yeah, when I was young, according to my experience, I was the only person in the world who had a heart surgery or who sorry, needed a heart surgery or had a heart condition because I'd never met anyone else. And yeah, I was just, when you go to the hospital, you're not there. Like there's no support group for you to go like hang out with other heart patients. No, that's, that's exactly right. And like, that was from like my reason that I started doing this podcast where I spoke to my friends that I met at these like heart weekends 
I was like 13, 14 years old. And that was, I had nothing up until then, you know. And now they're still my friends and I can yeah. still like talk to them about heart problems. And, you know, there's a, the understandings there. It's great to have that. I was so lucky um, about maybe two months before I had heart surgery, maybe three months. I'm not sure. I met this guy named Jack and he was like, yeah, I basically knew that he had a heart condition and I was like, is it cool? Like, I'm, is it cool to like go talk to people who have heart condition? I don't know. Like, can I just go say like, Hey, I'm Bob. I have a heart condition too. <laughs> and then, but it was so good that I did do that because I chatted with him and he told me about the valve that he got, which is the one that I ended up getting. And he told me about his experience. At that point, I thought that when you're on Warfarin, that if you drank a beer, you would just like not survive. And if you ate a piece <laughs> of lettuce or something or broccoli, you would not survive. And then I like look at Jack and he's like a vegetarian drinking a beer. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's rules that I don't know about yet. <laughs> there's, hidden, but, there's hidden stuff. <laughs> yeah. But with actually with, with your uh, being on the Warfarin, do you bruise easily? Is that... I don't because one of no. my friends she she's on warfarin and she said well was the last day I spoke to her in the first episode and she's like she bruises like a peach yeah you know a it's like people, my therapeutic range for my heart valve is 1.5 to 2.5 is your INR it's like your yeah how I guess you've probably maybe been on warfarin or something after surgery maybe or yeah uh, but my my therapeutic range is 1.5 to 2.5 so it's already a little lower i try to stay on the high end of that meaning that i would um bleed more and bruise more and i think that my bruising and, and maybe bleeding i'd rather have that where the other end of the spectrum is clotting yeah um, so i'd rather bruise and bleed with no like internal bleeding or anything like that and not be anywhere near the clotting range you know so um yeah, I do bruise a little bit. Sometimes I'll just be like, you know, like rubbing my arm and I'll be like, whoa, I have a gigantic bruise here. And um, I'll have no idea where it came from. That does happen sometimes. But really, life on Warfront is not bad at all. I like had these horror stories told to me, like the diet is one of them, the bruising all the time bleeding too much like that was that activity would be restricted because of bleeding and bruising and i just that hasn't like i haven't experienced that at all and um, do you have tattoos then or is that a no because i of... have i don't have any tattoos and i didn't know until i was like leaving the hospital just about and my doctor was like oh yeah and like don't get tattoos because basically not for the bleeding but for the chance of a, a um infection like a bacteria yeah. that's why i was told and that, yeah it's annoying because I, I would really want a tattoo but i just i don't think it's worth the risk <laughs> you know I, it's yeah i didn't want a tattoo until they said you cannot have one. Oh, I right. like, yeah. I, now i kind of want one but <laughs> i i won't get it. no it's not worth it no so uh, thank you very much bob for coming and speaking to me this afternoon and of course uh, and yeah great to finally do this chat and learn all about your life and from what i've seen on instagram and get to see this positive person like oh, it's, yeah. absolutely, it's absolutely mad how positive you are it's great 
Well, I think after surgery, like you can, yeah, not a lot can get to you. I don't know. Once you've been through some stuff, like it's, yeah, life is so much, I think, easier because you just gain this like ability to cope or ability to like deal with stuff. You know, I love, I love your, I love your, uh, I look like that's like great. I like, cause I, myself, I, I like to think I'm positive, but I'm nowhere near like the positivity that you give out there and that's oh. like everyone oh, yeah. everyone needs to uh, hear the positive thought like the way the mindset that you have through heart surgery and that's great but yeah it's been great to connect with you and it's awesome to have like i i love the the instagram thing like where we get to like kind of hear each other's stories i was listening to like the heart charge interview you did like two a couple weeks ago um with hannah and says, i forget what their names are um but um yes yeah, like just like <laughs> yeah. being able to share all of that social media is amazing so yeah I, I it was really awesome that you reached out and like or that we got to connect and i um, reached out probably um to share this so thank you thank you very much and look forward to speaking to you again soon yeah see you later man see you later